Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's very excited to have you with us on this uh, glorious Sunday. I'm uh, thankful for the worship team for always coming up here and, and really leading us in worship. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm able sometimes to, a lot of times I, I'm trying to take hold of the worship experience, and I try to drive it myself, and it doesn't doesn't affect me as much as it does when I just stand up here and I just let myself go. And, and I really appreciate all that they do, and I just want to thank them for all that. I mean, there's only one person up here that's paid, and the rest of them are volunteers, and they spend countless hours um, preparing and learning new songs. Sometimes they're hard. Um, and uh, just seeing some of the, you know, we've added Glenn, who's just, let's be honest, he's different, you know. Um, but... <laughs> Applause just for Glenn. He'll never, uh, we won't hear the end of that. Um, but, you know, just to, see, just to see them up here truly worshiping, um, which is great. And it's always great to see uh, uh, Ron. We need to introduce him sometime. It's been a while. Um, Ron, our bass player, um, with that goofy little grin that he gets when he's worshiping. I don't know if you've ever noticed that grin. He just does this, you know. Um, but uh, it's great to see them worship. I really appreciate all they do. And just if you see him afterwards, the door's still open a little bit. You can shut the door. Uh, if you see him afterwards, just, you know. Thank him, give him a high five, something like that. Say thanks for all you do for God. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, we are in the third and final day of our It's Not Easy Being Green series, our environmental series that has generated a lot of discussion uh, around different people and different camps. And I've had some uh, people come up to me and give me some comments afterwards, um, both good and bad. Uh, today I was uh, challenged and hammered by someone, which was it's always fun, um, especially when you know them so well as I do this guy. And um, it, it's really kind of an interesting subject, the environment and Christianity, because as I talked about last week, I think a lot, um, it's been politicized to such an extent that true followers of Christ are scared to touch it. It, it has been taken such into the, into the political realm and will be an issue in 2008 that that we are scared of it, that we don't want to jump on board with it a lot of times because of what the environment is usually associated with, and that's the left and Democrats and liberals. And the loudest voice in the church today is that conservative right group. And it's interesting sometimes when you begin to bring up things like the environment, the responses that it elicits from people. I was very excited on the first Sunday when someone came up to me afterwards and said he was, he, when he saw what was going on, he was, he was a little, uh, you know, well, Crocker must not be here. It's going to be some crazy liberal guy getting up and speaking about the environment. He said, but then afterwards, it all makes sense. I was like, awesome. That is God. That is God working and God saying, you know what, this is important and it's time that our church and my people take notice. And I, I think that it's generated, you know, in my own life, I've grown. I grow through most every series that I prepare for and that I do. I mean, I've told this to you all before. Most of my sermons are for me, and you all are just witnesses. And, and, you know, so I've grown throughout this, and I know my family has grown. And and uh, some people, in fact, uh, Stacy Smith, I'm going to use your example right now, Stacey, um, someone who uh, who runs our services and everything, actually changed her life last service, um, like in a very tangible way that we'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, it, you know, something that just really gets people going this this series has and, and i'm so excited about that and, and about all the things that we're doing i've been preparing for this sermon series for a while i'm very excited about it because it's been on my heart for a long time and and 
Today was the culmination Sunday. Today was the day when everything would come together, when all these great things. And I told you on the first Sunday that we had some great surprises for you at the last Sunday and all this. And I tell you, we got here this morning, and if something could go wrong in this room and with our service, it did. I think volunteers all across the board who, who come and help set this up and serve here were running into problems. The booth, both of our computers, there was something wrong with the computers that run what we see and, you know, we get here and it's not working correctly. Uh, the worship team was kind of in a state of flux when they got here. I got here the earliest I ever have because we were trying to put a car inside the CLC, um, a Toyota Prius that a, a local auto dealer loaned us, um, loaned me for the weekend and was very excited about the series that we were doing. And, and we were going to put it here back, back in the back of the CLC. And we got it all the way into right there. And realize that the Prius is five foot nine inches wide and that door is five foot eight. No. And that those doors are really big and really heavy and there is n- none of us wanted to tackle taking those doors off of the hinges and getting it through. So it's sitting out there by the trash, which is kind of a metaphor, I think. But it's sitting out there and, and I, you know, I, I have the keys to it. And, some, you know, if you want to see it afterwards, because it actually really is a cool thing. I've been driving around all weekend. I'd love to show it to you after this. You want, want to go right? Well, after the service, maybe. Um, and so that didn't work out. And I was bummed about that because I was so excited about that. And, and then we had this grocery bag thing um, that we were going to do that uh, the, the lady who was going to get them for us informed me on Friday after I tracked her down um, with a few calls uh, that they were on back order. And I thought, wow, it, it would have been nice to know this um, when you knew it five days ago um, <laughs> so that maybe we could do something else. And so that didn't work. And yeah, I mean, I think one thing of all the things that we planned actually happened, and it didn't even happen the right way either. So, I mean, all these things were going wrong, and and I was kind of getting discouraged this morning. I was like, oh, man, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's bad. Nothing we planned is right. I'm all thrown off. My, my, sermon, my mojo's off and my sermon's off, and at 930, I was really just thinking about that, and, and I, was, I took my head out of what I was supposed to be doing, took my heart out of what I was supposed to be doing. And God just reminded me, he said, look, it's not about all the stuff that you do. It's about me and it's about my words. And stuff has been happening over the last two Sundays, good things for me. And of course something's going to go wrong. Because when you're on the right path, sometimes things happen. Because there is a force that works against you in this world. I guarantee you, if you don't believe that, look at your life and the times you feel closest to God. There is a force that works against you in this world. And we just have to continue to give our lives over to God. Jesus says the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. To love the Lord your God with everything. So that no matter what happens, no matter what comes your way, you are still focused and on track. You are still going the direction that you need to, following the example of Jesus Christ. Didn't matter what happened in his life. Remember when he's on the boat, he's asleep, the waves come up and the disciples go, oh, we're going to sink, oh my gosh. And they go and he... They wake him up, and he's like, dude, chill out. First of all, why'd you wake me up? And secondly, seas calm down. He was focused. He knew what his purpose was. He knew the direction he was going, and he never veered off of it. I think that's the life that we need to live. I know that that is the life that we need to live, a life that we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And it's no different in this topic this environmental topic that we've been talking about for the last few Sundays. If you weren't here, we talked about the fact that God created everything. 
If you've got an argument against that, come see me afterwards. I'll tell you why. God created everything, the heavens and the earth. You can't see anything on this world that God didn't have a hand in. It says so right here. I believe this with all of my heart. And I know as I look at my child and see the intricacy of the human body that God created it. We talked about last week the little egg. Remember the egg that we talked about and, and how intricate the egg itself is? And that little chick and all the things that have to happen for this chick to appear? God's there. God's working. It's amazing to see that God has created this for us. And God uses his creation to bring people closer to him. It says so. Paul talks about it. People have no excuse, he says in Romans 1.20, for not knowing God because all they have to do is look at his creation. From the beginning of time, as you look outside and see the creation, the mountains and the streams and the trees and the deserts and the animals, you see God. So part of this whole deal is that God's creation, the world, is a witness for him. Part of this is, is this earth that we live on that he has given us to dwell in. Is part of it is the fact that it's a witness for him. It tells people about how great and powerful and wonderful our God is. And that's clear throughout the Psalms. The psalmists throughout all of it talk about the stars in the heaven, and they they just have this beautiful language talking about creation and our creator together. And then last week we talked about Christ because we are Christians and we follow him. What does he have to do with the creation? And and what we talked about, it, it says here in the text that everything was created through him. Everything was created through him. The world was created through Jesus Christ. And he continues to hold everything together. He is the glue that binds the entire creation together, Jesus Christ. Don't you think if God put so much importance in the creation that he gave it to his son, we who follow him, who are trying to live our lives like Jesus Christ, shouldn't we take a little notice of that and say, maybe the earth is a little bit more important than we have been treating Maybe we need to start thinking about the way we, create, we, we react to our creation. And maybe we need to start changing a little bit in how we deal with it. So, so the way we do that is we need to go back to the first commandment. With your heart, your mind, and your soul, it says. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Why do they start with the heart? Why does Christ start? Start there. Why didn't he say, there's another version that says, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. It adds strength at the end. Why don't we throw strength up front so we can be strong in all that we're doing so that no matter what happens. No, there's a reason God starts with the heart, because that is what drives us. Our heart is what truly drives us as a human. What we believe, what we feel, what we think, all comes from here. It doesn't come from up here, it comes from here. Too many people start their relationship with God up here. And they leave the heart out of it. And yeah, they, can, they know they talk the talk all day long. But when it comes down to it, do they really walk the walk? Do they really know and have a relationship with Jesus Christ? There are people that are filling pews in churches all throughout the country this morning that don't have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't have it here. They have not been transformed by the Holy Spirit and allowed God to change their life from within. It all starts at the heart. It's the same thing with this environment thing. If you really want to get it, if you really want to see that God is in the middle of all of it, you've got to allow him in. You have to allow him in and, and let him show you the beauty of his creation. Get outside and look at it. Like when you were a kid. I don't know if girls did this, but boys, man, we, we just went everywhere. 
We take magnifying glasses and try to burn ants and stuff like that. But we are looking at creation, killing it and looking at it at the same time. Did anyone ever set an ant on fire? <laughs> awesome. The kids are like, that is an incredible idea, Michael. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> see, who says you can't learn at church? Um, you get out there in creation and you look at it and you, and you let God start working on your heart to transform who you are from the inside. And as that happens, what Jesus says is all your heart, all your mind, it goes to your mind. You start seeing things in a more intellectual way and you start seeing maybe the scientific reasonings behind the environment. You start looking at some of those reports that are out there. Last week I said that, yeah, I don't believe everything that, that like Greenpeace puts out. I don't believe all of their propaganda, nor do I believe all the propaganda from the other side. I don't believe that, you know, that there is no such thing as global warming. Sorry, I don't buy it. And I also don't believe that, you know, ExxonMobil is the death of all society. But there is something in there. And maybe it's time that as I, as I let God transform my heart and to follow along this path of maybe taking care of his creation, it will seep up into my mind and I start to see things and I start to see through these scientific reports and I see things. Somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you know, the hybrid is just a big hype. There's no real, no real truth behind it. Well, I don't know about that. Some of the things I've read, and maybe if I, if I let it shape my, my heart and then my mind, I can start to see what God wants me to see and the truth that is out there somewhere in the middle. Maybe I can go and see Al Gore's movie without throwing up and find some truth in there. Or Leonardo DiCaprio's movie. It's the heart and then the mind. And And once those things take place, once you start changing who you are as a person, you need to start doing something. And it starts at home, the area where you have the greatest influence, the area where you have the most power to change something. Husbands, not necessarily, but wives, definitely. You have the greatest influence at home to start changing things, to start taking some small steps. Recycle. Recycle. How many of you have one of those green recycle bins that the city gives you? At your house. Yeah, quite a few of you. Yeah, that's what Stacy Smith did earlier at the 930 service. As soon as I started talking about this recycle bin, she ran upstairs, got on the Internet, and ordered one. That's all you got to do. you got to go to the city website. If you don't have one, and order one. Or call the number 311. You know the little city information number? Call 311. Say, hey, I don't have a recycle bin. Deliver one to me. This is my address. They deliver it to you. To service you're paying for already, might as well use it. But just start recycling. Cans. Paper, junk mail. Anybody getting junk mail in here? Anyone? No. Craig Duncan's the only one that gets junk mail in here. Thank you, Craig. I'm glad that Craig and I, well, you and I need to talk, apparently, because we're doing something wrong if we're still getting it. Listen to this. 80 million trees are used a year to produce the junk mail that we all receive. 80 million trees every year. This is even more staggering. 28 billion gallons of water are used to create this mail. $450 million are spent in recycling junk mail. That's a lot of money spent just taking care of it once you throw it away or actually recycle it. Eight months, this is the one that was most staggering to me, eight months and the one that I believe the most, eight months of your life is spent dealing with junk mail. Think of that. Eight months of your life, at the end of your life, you're like, Dude, I could live eight months longer, except for the stinking junk mail. All those things you get, all those things you have to sift through, 
all those credit card applications that if you're like me, you're a little nervous about in today's age and you go out, well, I, I, you might keep it somewhere else, but I go out to the garage to my little shredder and I stick them through the shredder. It takes time to do that. I'm spending eight months of my life doing that. And it ticks me off. Stop sending me the stuff. Well, there's ways that you can stop it. This is the best thing you'll ever learn at church, to stop junk mail. You can go to a little website called echocycle.org, echocycle.org, and you can find out ways to stop the junk mail. You can also, there's these, like, I think three or four major credit houses that have your information that send it out to credit card companies so that they send you the applications in the mail. You can call them and get your name removed from the master list. Did you know that there's a master list with your name out there on it? Yeah, there's probably like 700 of them, but... On this one, you can get it removed and start cutting down on those things. It won't stop at all, but it will take a lot of it away. And heck, I'm tired of getting it. You know, I get excited when I get the mail. Like, oh, we got mail. No, we didn't. We got a bunch of trash. It's always depressing. Start using reusable items. Something you can do. I don't know if you've noticed all the... There's been a lot of stories lately of water bottles. All those little... uh, Throwaway Dasani or Evian bottles that are, you can get in uh, gas stations and stuff. There's so many of those, millions and millions of, uh, of them that are used a year. They're just thrown away, and, and they don't biodegrade. They just off-put gas, and they and they leak toxins into the earth. Those that aren't recycled, those that are recycled, they're still using resources to recycle them. So. I know they're convenient, and we use them in our house sometimes when we go on uh, trips or we go somewhere where we know we're going to be for a while and you don't have water. But here's something that I've done recently is I've got uh, a couple of Nagaline, I I never say it the correct way, but um, hard, indestructible plastic bottles um, around my house. And this one's a 32-ouncer. And a couple of things that it's done for me, one, it causes me to drink a lot more water because I'm conscious of it and I carry it with me all the time and I fill it up with, oh, I don't know, the free resource that we have, water that comes into our tap um, instead of going and buying it. Um, and I drink a lot more of it. And I also am not throwing these bottles away. Here at the office, we have one of those uh, water filter things. Uh, and it's a technical term for it. And, I, you know, I, I walk down to the, our little kitchen, I fill it up, and I go back to my office and I'm, I have water. And I, I drink a lot more water that way instead of Coke or something like that, where I used to drink like a, a case of Diet Dr. Pepper a week or something, maybe even more than that. I have a problem. Um, you know, I, I, I'm moving away from that and doing something that's healthier for me anyway um, by drinking water. Uh, do it at home. I, I do it there as well. I have one at home that I keep at home that I do the same thing. I go up to our fridge, filtered water, same stuff that, you know, there's a lawsuit right now from the state of Michigan um, I think it's, it's Evian or one of them um, is, using, or is using their tap water, the state of Michigan's tap water, for their bottled water, and the state of Michigan's suing them now because they're ticked off that they're you know, making this deal that it's some special water, and they're like, dude, it's coming from Grand Rapids. Um, but use one of these bottles. Use it at work, at your office. We have some on the table back there, and we want you to take them on your way out. Just grab one, everybody. Everyone take one. And start using them. Start using them wherever you are and, and see what kind of, one, how much more water you drink, maybe, because it's good for you. My father-in-law doctor says so. Uh, grocery bags. I'm going to give you some boring stats, uh, and then we'll get back to Jesus stuff. 
you know, because he's important too. Uh, 500 billion to 1 trillion bags are used a year, plastic bags in the world. 500 billion to 1 trillion are used a year in the world. It's a lot of bags. It's a lot of stinking trash because you know where they end up, right? Like one of four places, um, underneath your sink in a ball with a whole bunch of other ones because you know you're going to use them someday. And a day hadn't come yet, but when that day comes, you're prepared and ready. So they end up there. Um, they end up maybe in your pantry with one hanging on a hook and the rest of them shoved into that one. Um, they end up scattered throughout the, the world and society. And you drive around and you see, oh, there's a plastic bag. You know, we all, anytime the wind blows, you're bound to see. You used to see, I lived in Lubbock for a long time, tumbleweeds going by all the time. Now you probably still see tumbleweeds, but they're probably masks and paper, you know, plastic bags, you know, just hanging on to them for dear life going, I don't know where they're going. Maybe they have an appointment somewhere, but um, these bags everywhere. And Africa has become such an epidemic. If anyone's been to Africa, they know that there are so many of those plastic bags there that an industry has been created uh, for people who collect them as they're blowing by. They just uh, reach out and grab them, I guess. And and they've started this industry of making items from these bags. They weave hats um, out of these plastic bags, and they weave bags out of these plastic bags, which is really ironic. Um, but, I mean, there's so many of these bags. And, and then the last place they go is into a landfill where they never biodegrade. They, call, they do something called photodegrade, where they just slowly break into little pieces of toxic, chemicals that seep back into the soil. So here's an idea. You know, they used to ask you paper or plastic. They stopped doing that. Tell them neither. Bring your own bag, one of those reusable bags, a canvas bag, a, a cloth bag, whatever it is. You know, HEB is now selling them at, their, uh, at the Lincoln Heights store anyway. That's the one I go to most often, um, right by the registers. You know, they have them sang- hanging there at the register. Have you seen those? Little H-E-B bags. They want advertising, you know, as they go out there. We're going to have some. This is, you know, the the whole uh, back order thing hindered us from having them today. But we're going to have some next week here that have this New Heights It's Not Easy Being Green logo on there. And get them and use them. It'll take you a little bit of extra effort to maybe remember to carry them into the store. But think of what you're saving. All of the chemicals that are used in producing those plastic bags to make them and recycle them. All of the petroleum that's used to make plastic bags in the first place. It's cheap for companies to use those. They don't really care about much else than the bottom line. If you notice, Whole Foods has been using those bags for a long time because they're kind of in that you know weird nutso tree hugger mode, which is kind of where I'm going as well. But grocery bags, use those styrofoam cups. I've started using this a lot more. Um, I use it at work all the time. This is the only way I drink my coffee at work is through this little ESPN zone that I got in Times Square at the ESPN zone. Um, and, you know, I use this all the time. And on Sunday mornings I would use styrofoam cups, but I've switched, since switched to this because I was feeling really bad about throwing those styrofoam cups all the way. So these are just, you know, things you can do. And let me tell you why, why I talk about all this. You know, you can... Roll your eyes at me, and you can you can say, Michael, we know, you know, we hear the propaganda that's out there from the from the liberal left and all that stuff, and that's fine. Let me read you something that that Jesus said in John chapter 13. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus says this: The time has come for me, the Son of Man, to enter into my glory, and God will receive glory because of all that has happened to me. 
And God will bring me into my glory very soon. Dear children, how brief are these moments before I must go away and leave you. Then, though you search for me, you cannot come to me, just as I told the Jewish leaders. So now, this is, I mean, right before everything's about to happen, before the torture, before the nails, before the death and the resurrection, these are his final words. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is a new one. Love each other. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Or in the old hymn that we all know from childhood, they will know we are Christians by our love. Love each other so that people may know about me. Love each other so that people may know about my glory because that's why you're here. is to share my love with the world, with the lost, with those lost sheep. You leave the ones that are found behind and go after that lost one. And they will know about me through your actions, not through what you say, but by through your actions. See, here's the thing. The church has relied too long on what we say. The church has a really loud voice right now, a really loud voice, and it's very powerful. And it is saying a lot of things. Most of them are negative, and most of them are pointing fingers. People don't like to listen to that. People don't. What they do is they watch and they see what you do. Maybe they watch you come into work and they watch you have this little bottle and you start using it on a daily basis and you go to the office and you fill it up with water and you start drinking water through it. And maybe they come up to you and they say, dude, I've noticed you have this bottle for the past week. What does it say on there? It's not easy being green. What does that even mean? Well, I'm just kind of making making a change in my life starting to take care of the environment. Oh, really? Are you, you going to vote for Hillary Clinton this year? Hillary, no. I believe in Jesus Christ. And because I do, the world is important to me. Because I do, I realize that he created all things, and maybe it's time that I start respecting them a little more. Wow. I didn't know Christians believe that way. Maybe I want to find out more about Jesus. I don't know. That's an idyllic conversation that you could have with somebody. But maybe it would happen if you start changing your life and people start watching you, because they do. People watch you. If they know you're a Christian, they watch you. The world watches you to see you mess up. The world watches you to see you contradict and be a hypocrite. Maybe we need to start living our lives as we let God transform our heart and then our mind and then our soul. We start changing our actions, taking those little steps. And we remember the very first commandment that God gave us. Remember this back all the way back in Genesis. At the beginning of the story, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates man. He makes this beautiful garden. He puts man in the garden and he gives us a commandment. And what does he say? Tend the garden. Take care of the world that I have given you. One of his first commandments to us. Take care of my earth, the animals and the plants and the trees. Take care of them. It's your responsibility now. Maybe if we remember those words, tend the garden, maybe we'll open up such a world. Maybe we'll open up the eyes of so many people who look down upon Jesus Christ, so many people who really care about the world and couldn't fathom 
a church being involved in the environment. Maybe it will open their eyes to the love of Christ and they will know about Him. They will know about Him as we let His love flow through us. All I'm asking is that we remember those words. Tend the garden. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for the life and the world that You have given us. We know that You are the Creator of all things. We thank You for that. We thank You that You have given us the responsibility of taking care of this world. We ask Your forgiveness for the times when we have failed You in that. And Lord, we thank You too for the, for the opportunity to be Your arms and Your feet to go out into this world and to share your love so that people might know about you. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to do that through everything, in all that we do, in all that we say, in every action we take, Father. Let your love be known. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.